welcome to this Law & Sport podcast with me, Sean Cottrell, the CEO of Law & Sport. I hope you're doing well. If you haven't tuned in before, the Law & Sport podcast is here to help you understand the latest legal issues from the world of sport, but also get to know some of the key personalities of the people who have been working behind the scenes for years to keep sport running. I'm delighted to welcome our esteemed guest for today is Professor Massimo Coccia, who is the founding partner of Coccia, the Angeles Associati law firm in Italy. Most people in sports law know who he is without any introduction, but for those of you that are new to the <laughs> to sports law, um, Massimo has had over, I think, 400 arbitral proceedings, over 300 in uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport. He's known as being one of the leading Court of Arbitration for Sports arbitrators. He's also known for being one of the most nicest people you're going to meet, and <laughs> I vouch for that. Um, he's held positions both as a lawyer, as an arbitrator, um, both in and outside of sport. To give you some um, introduction to his experience within football alone, he held two positions within the Italian Football Federation in 2016-2007, where he was appointed as the interim vice-chancellor in the wake of the match-fixing scandal, and he introduced a number of reforms that maybe we can come on to talk about. He's been an arbitrator at the um, Olympic Games, He's also, and I mean, his CV is absolutely incredible. He's a member of the ICC Commission on Arbitration and ADR. The key thing to know is he's a, a very humble guy. Massimo, you might not remember, but I remember you coming to our annual conference a few years ago and you sat there. And the thing that I observed is you were so attentive for every single panel session that we held. You sat at the front, you asked questions, you, and you never once sort of, introduce yourself as this sort of grand you know let's say let's call you like one of the one of the godfathers of, of sports law in this regards um and uh yeah you would, the thing that struck me was that you were just so inquisitive about everything that was going on and then when someone said to me you know who that is don't you and i was like no no i've got no idea and i was like that's massimo Cotter. i was like really and i came over and spoke to you and you were just so um uh, you know, delightful to talk to, but genuinely like, enthused about the topics and the subject matter. Um, it's a real privilege. It was something I wanted to get you on for a long time. So it's a real privilege to, ha to have you on. And I said, I know a lot of people who have come and done work experience with you who say all the, how other people perceive you is exactly how you are. And we just had a wonderful conversation that hopefully we'll come on to in a minute about your, your sort of career into sports laws. So first of all, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing fine, and uh, I'm honored to be with you, actually, and, and uh, um, I love it. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, Massimo, I did not know this, but you were just telling me, and maybe you can give us an insight, that you're a basketball player. That's how you, you know, this was the start of your, I guess, your sports store journey. Can you shed some light on your basketball well, pedigree? Because I, I was incredibly yeah. Well, a former basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> my knees and my hip, you know, do not allow me anymore to play. Uh, but yeah, I, I started uh, in basketball since I was very young and it was my favorite sport. Uh, my father was, you know, he was, he was into, into basketball as well uh, as an executive rather than as a player. But, uh, you know, um, I played, uh, you know, youth uh, level uh, and we won also some Italian titles. And then as a professional, I became a professional in second, I reached second division in Italy, which in the 70s, I'm talking about the 70s, early 80s, uh, was a very high level and I was paid for it. Uh, and uh, I loved it. And uh, 
I believe is a marvelous sport and, and uh, it gave me the opportunity to know sport from from inside, which is, if I may, the first tip I will give to anybody <laughs> wishing to work in sports. You you need to know sports, not as, not as a lawyer, but uh, you know as a human being from inside. You know knowing what's going on in the locker rooms, knowing what's going on uh, in the relationship within a, a team, within a club. It's, it's, uh, I think it's the most important experience I had to become then a sports lawyer. And, and why do you think that, why is that so important? Because I just had, literally had lunch with someone earlier and we were having this conversation about great lawyers who know the law really, really well, but sometimes they go wrong because they don't have an appreciation of the actual sector you know, the culture, the rules, the regulations. Why is that so important? Because, you know, you've got experience in, you know, across international arbitration, you know, uh, you know, the Court of Justice at The Hague, you know, you've been across multiple areas. So why particularly, though, in sport, and is this true of every sector, that you need to understand what's going on on the actual ground? Well, first of all, I think doing sport as an athlete makes you a better person. First of all, that's, that's a basic point. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and then, you know, the fact that there are uh, sports is so different from from other sectors because you have rules and regulations uh, from from within the sector itself that you learn uh, to know from the very beginning, not not the merits of the rules, but the way the system works uh, and the fact that rules are fundamental in this sector it's something that you learn uh, being in it from from the way when you are i don't know nine years old ten years old you already realize that there are rules and 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 uh, i think that's very uh, very important to understand then when you 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 address that as a lawyer to understand that uh, it's it there are rules that exist uh, even something that always you know it's uh, it's interesting but rules in sport exist from earlier than many sovereign states um, you know Italy w w was formed as a sovereign state in 1861 and since the you know the beginning of the 19th century there were already sports competition going on and rules etc and, and 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 especially in England you know there, there was the first place in in Europe where that happened and uh, it's this is important so you know when uh, especially thinking about the relationship between the law of sport and the law of sovereign states which sometimes they con they conflict as, as they have conflict as we know it's important to understand it's a set of rules which uh, um, has a very old uh, tradition uh, and so what was your first sort of foray into sports or then? So obviously you were playing basketball at a really good level. Um, you know, I think you mentioned earlier that you just sort of decided to, you know, not go into the necessarily the top, top flight to, to focus on your legal studies. But um, I didn't want to say that. But yes, <laughs> I had a I'll chance. Say for you. I'll I say had... it for you. You're too, you're too humble. But <laughs> no, um, I had a chance to play Italian first division, and uh, and uh, but I, I passed that because I, I was studying in law school and I didn't have the time to train twice a day. So that's that was it. But I wasn't good enough in any event. I think I would have been on the bench probably in, in first. I would division. have taken that. So, so I, <laughs> now, <laughs> I, I, you know, it was much more fun to 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 be a, a starting five player in the in the second division than, than being on the bench in first division. Yeah, that's, I can imagine. <laughs> and so what, when did you, um, 
first start getting involved in sports cases or you know representing sports clients? It, it was it was it was a, a coincidence really because I um, after my law degree in Italy I, I went to study in the United States I, I had a Fulbright fellowship. I obtained that and I went to Michigan Law School in the United States, where, by the way, I realized for the first time that, that something like sports law existed because in, in the United States there were already um, courses of sports law and, and something that was not existent in Italian law schools. So I realized there was a sports law um, there. And when I came back uh, to, to Italy, I started my first my academic career. I started writing etc then publishing and, and then i started also as a as an attorney um as a lawyer and and as a practicing lawyer and i didn't work on sport i, I specialized actually in uh, european union law and and the competition law at the time european community law used to be called and 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 uh, um, so suddenly was the end of the 80s um the italian olympic committee was looking for someone who knew anything about European Union law, and, <laughs> and by coincidence, uh, someone at the Italian Olympic Committee mentioned that to my father, uh, and it and it all. It, my father told them, "Look, you know, my, my son is quite young, but you know, he, he works on European Union law. He knows about sports because he has been practicing sports. So maybe you want to talk to him." And uh, so that's uh, that. The Italian Olympic Committee asked me for to write a legal opinion for something, because they you know the usual lawyers knew anything, knew nothing about 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 European Union law and competition law issues. So that was kind of a lucky coincidence. And then from there, I started uh, having clients in that sector, and it was easier because starting with the Italian Olympic Committee. It, it was easier because everybody assumed that I was good because of that, but it was, it was not. That was not the reason. It was, it was in the, in the right moment, in the right place. You know, it just uh, as many things in life. Then, uh, and be, what, yeah. So, so, so that's when you sort of got your, I guess, your first clients in that regards. Yeah. So then, what happened in terms of how did it evolve? Because we've seen over the, you know, particularly in your career. There's been, you know, particularly the rise of Italian football in the 90s just kind of exploded, didn't it? Um, yeah, well, from the Italian Olympic Committee, some national federations in several sports started uh, because, you know, I, I made reports, I spoke to people in, in, in the Italian Olympic Committee whose, whose assembly is made up of the presidents of the Italian federations. So uh, I started working with some national federations from there, uh, I worked with football federations, Italian football federations, and then some clubs set up. Uh, you know, then uh, at the time, it's also it was also easier because there weren't many, really many lawyers dealing with sports law. Um, even though in Italy, there was the first law journal founded in 1949 uh, on sports law, and wow. uh, but there weren't really. People specializing in sports and, and lawyers specializing in sports, so it was it was easier that, than today for sure. And 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 what would you say then from from? Because when did you start becoming a CAS arbitrator? It, it's fun. It's funny how it happened. I can tell you that uh, it was uh, around 1994, uh, and and I participated at a conference 
in Paris, and there was one of the I was one of the speakers, um, uh, and one of the speakers was Gilbert Schwar, uh, um, a Swiss lawyer, who was the then Secretary General of the CAS. So he approached me, like you know, in, in a break or something, and and told me, uh, I have seen that you know you you spoke uh, both because we we had a debate as we spoke both in French and in English, and uh, would you be interested in, in being an arbitrator at the Court of Arbitration for Sport? I say, well, yeah, why why not? He told me, but there are no cases. <laughs> they are like they are like uh, you know five, six cases per year, 10 cases per year. So that was the... And because, you know, we have almost all Swiss lawyers, so we would need someone to expand our roster, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, then he wrote me and I, that I, 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 I went inside. But I, in, like in the first, I believe, five years, I had a total of probably, I don't know, five cases, something like that. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was nothing at the time. I mean, you know. And uh, Joe, it's one of the things I always say to people that, you know, in this sector, and even still now, right, it can be hard to get a consistent amount of work through or, you know, people all around the world. Um, you, you just have to invest the time, right? And eventually when the when the sort of the market matures and the sports organizations become more professionalized, naturally, if you've been putting in the, the you know, you've got the experience, it sort of pays off. And so when did the, the sort of... Um, when did things start to pick up in terms of at least the, the sort of dispute from a dispute resolution side? Yeah, they started to pick up. Uh, I would say, uh, well, first of all, there was this major decision. I was involved with as was my, I believe, the second case. I was a chairman. It was uh, the Inic case uh, with multiple ownership issue. Yeah, uh, and that was 1998. The the, the award was 1999. Wow. And then uh, I think, first of all, the award was much publicized. It was uh, like 80 pages award with competition, antitrust competition, low issues. It was, you know, it was, you know, something substantial. And also for the CAS, I think it was a good thing to do. And um, then later on, uh, they, they started with the, you know, with the Olympic Games, uh, ad hoc division, uh, uh, more and more federations accepted the CAS uh, in their own uh, um, statutes and regulations uh, uh, as an appellate body. And, uh, and then probably when WADA was founded and, and uh, the code was, was enacted, the, the, the World Anti-Doping Code, and of course, then when FIFA accepted that, when FIFA accepted that, that was the the turning point because you know football became the the most important uh, uh, client of gas. No, absolutely. And what would you say is? I was just thinking as you were talking. Obviously, you were involved in your with CAS, I think at Salt Lake, which was a very eventful Olympic yeah. Games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because of the corruption. What was that like? I, I I loved it. I loved it because uh, first of all, I, I love skiing. So in the morning, in the morning, <laughs> I went skiing with some of my colleagues, uh, and, and I went skiing in the morning, always having the phone, you know, if, if there was a case, and uh, and then you know I could watch uh, any sport event uh, I wished, and I was involved in the Skategate case, uh, which was quite eventful, uh, which ended. I don't know if I. I have the time to, to, to tell a bit. Yeah, about go for it, it please. Oh, okay. Please. Well, it was, I don't know, for those who are not familiar, it was a case where it was in the ice, uh, ice, uh, um, 
ice event, uh, ice skating event. Uh, I don't know in English. They, 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 they remember that. Yeah, one. that's yeah. right. Ice skating. Yeah. I, or figure I, skating. Or yeah, figure skating. Exactly. Figure yes, skating. Yeah. The the pair event. Uh, there was a, the two best couples were were a Russian couple and a Canadian couple, um, and the um, in the last uh, event. Uh, all the experts say the Canadian pair was much better, but uh, the Russian pair won the, the obtained the, the because the, the judges were giving marks, you know, it was, yeah. and and the, the the Russian couple won, and but but uh, the French judge that was on the panel spoke with uh, with a friend who was uh, also a journalist, and probably you should never speak. <laughs> to, a, to a journalist, uh, and and she told she told him that she, she had been uh, approached by the Russian representatives, asking her to vote in favor of the Russian pair uh, in exchange for another competition in skating, with, 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 where the Ra the French had a very important possibility of winning a gold medal. Uh, so that's how it started. Then they, they applied, they, they made an application to the CAS. I was uh, appointed in the in the panel. And we immediately ordered all the judges, we issued uh, an interim order immediately, ordering the skating federation, the ICU, the, the International Skating Federation to to order all the judges to stay because they were the, the competitions had already finished. So they were leaving Salt Lake City to stay there and come at like eight in the morning, eight a.m. in the morning, following morning to 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 give testimony about the about the <laughs> the competition. And during that same night, the ISU and the IOC decided to award two gold medals. And the Canadians withdrew their appeal, and and that was the end of the story in terms of of, of procedural terms. Uh, but I can imagine what what, what that night was, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, by the way, a few years later, I think two or three years later, um, the Italian police was doing were doing investigations on illegal weapon trading between Italy and former Yugoslavia and and, and, and former Yugoslavia. And they they had some wire tapping, uh, and they heard some 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 of those some of some Russian uh, armed dealers saying saying that uh, they had uh, fixed the, the 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 result in that famous wow. uh, yeah, and, and so <laughs> that was the confirmation and, that there was something dirty there. And this seems to be something. Obviously, years later, you've got the biggest scandal that hits Italian football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, so it's it's like these things seem to follow you around, like you seem to be the right place at the right time. No, but in the yeah. sense that you're, I believe that obviously you know, given your credibility and expertise, particularly dealing with international matters, dealing with complex issues, seems to it seems to when particularly going over your CV and the cases that you've been involved with, seems to be something where you get called upon because of that. In the situation in Italy, obviously you've got a huge match fixing scandal. Then you're getting brought in. What what was your kind of uh, what were your initial thoughts? Because that could have been a, that's a very... Uh, it was a privilege, first of all. Uh, it was a privilege. Uh, um, I did it for free, by the way. It was a pro bono, wow. total pro bono work. But that that was, uh, according to Italian law, um, in case uh, a sports, Italian Sports Federation uh, has some serious troubles, in that case, you know, the whole board, the president, they all, they, they all resigned. Um, so, according to the law, 
the Italian Olympic Committee uh, can appoint uh, uh, some interim uh, commissioners or chancellors, you call them, but anyway, uh, to, to run the federation until th they can have elections again. Um, so I was appointed as the deputy, the deputy uh, commissioner, with, with, but with the responsibility for all legal matters. So we had to, you know, we had to, 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 to set up the, 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 you know, the, the judgments for all those involved in that. that we, 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 you know, uh, sent away for life many referees, uh, many people, also some executives uh, like of, of Juventus as well. You know, it was well known. And uh, I had to clean the house, so to speak. Uh, I want to get an insight into this, because you, as I said, I meant it earlier. You're an incredibly humble individual, from what I've, how I've, like, at least my interactions with you, and from what other people say. And you've also got a, a lovely, uh, it seems, disposition. Um, and when you just, so for me, looking at if <laughs> someone says, like, we had this massive match fixing scandal in a country where football is a religion. And people are incredibly, notoriously passionate about uh, their teams and uh, rivalries. And they say, they come, say, in my position, they'll come to me and say, Sean, would you come and help out? And not only do you say, I'll do it for free, you say, yes, it's a privilege, I'd love to help out. One that seems to indicate a, a, a real um, sense of duty, uh, which, I, which I think is very admirable. But how did you... Um, can you give an insight into how, terms of how you dealt with some of these issues from a um, one keeping you know, your own emotions and fears, anxieties in check? How, how, what was your sort of approach to it all? Because that seems like a very hostile, yeah. stressful environment. To well, be. The, the anxiety uh, is right because I received even threats, uh, you know, well. in, in doing that. So it was, it was not, you know, the, the most the, the easiest thing. But, you know, I, I focus on, th on two, essentially on two things. First of all, the past. So these CPI proceedings, uh, and, and that, of course, given to, 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 to sports judges, and not something, not something I was directly, I just organized, just the organization of it, but not, of course, the judging. Uh, and that, followed its course and by the way the decisions by the sports judges that we appointed for that because we appointed some ad hoc special because the previous one were also involved you know yeah the, it was not totally really it was not you know the interesting thing was not match fixing of one match or two matches it was a system where where whereby um some important clubs uh, had uh, an ex let's put it in this way an excessive influence and um, um, you know <laughs> euphemism excessive influence on uh, referees uh, on on the way referees made their progression in their career uh, and, and how they became international referees etc etc and that was was very problematic and 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 also some sports judges, those, you know, dealing with disciplinary issues were involved. So we had to get rid of them and, and appoint new ones. So I organized that. That was the past. But then the important thing was to, to avoid that something like that could happen again. And therefore the reform, the reform of the statutes, the reform of the, of the uh, sports uh, justice uh, regulations, uh, uh, the reform of the agents, uh, uh, because there were also some agents that had been involved in that, um, the referees' organization uh, reform. It was a lot of work, but but that was 
you know. Uh, so was it essentially you were so busy you didn't have time to get <laughs> to be to be overly concerned? But but, but I have I had one highlight, you know, during that time there was the, the Italian victory of the World Cup in 2006. So, <laughs> so and also was a privilege going going uh, uh, you know uh, going to the national team training, uh, going yeah, wow. on you know with them uh, in hotels in in planes. It was you know it was not getting to know the. The players uh, was that was what the the highlight which you know made it work. Well, as a former athlete yourself, you yeah, kind of like, exactly. like, like you know, and, and just as someone who's a low level athlete on my part, it's the thing I, I definitely like you. I think I, I really enjoy seeing people train and exactly, and, exactly. yeah, it's just fascinating to watch. Exactly. Sitting there doing the training of the Italian national team was one of the highlights. Really, wow, was, that's so uh, cool. Yeah. And um, um, what would you say your yeah, if you one as well, the fact you did it for free, which is just yeah, again, I can hear a lot of a lot of lawyers in the background going, "Oh my," <laughs> taking a deep. By sigh, the way, I, I must mm -hmm. thank also the FA uh, because during that time I did some some uh, benchmarking in a way, checking out all the major sports federations were organized internally. Uh, so the FA, the the, the, the German uh, Federation, uh, the Spanish Federation, the you know the different, just the French Federation, to see how the the major sports, sports federations, football federations were organized, and the FA were very kind. They offered me their 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 assistance, their advice. They gave me some documents, etc. So I must Great. I must thank them. Even 50 oh. years ago, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they were very nice. Oh, that's great to hear. And. Yeah. Um, so what was the, if you had any lessons from that scenario, was there anything that sort of carried forward for you from that experience? Because it is kind of a very unique experience. Well, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it is <laughs> it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. Uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot uh, how to, to run a federation because, you know, it was, we were essentially running a federation with one million, about one million uh, people uh, in the federation because between players, all, all the yeah. amateur, you know, the federation is everybody. It's not only the professional part. They are all the amateurs. And so in Italy, there are about, I think, 30,000 clubs and, and one million um, regist people registered with the federation in different positions, you know, executives, referees, players, etc. But But... Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of it's like being you know the the the, the, the running a, a a city of one million people. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, that's the the important you know. The, and what what would you say is is uh, do you have any I guess do you have any favorite case either you've where or matter where you've represented a client or and you can give me more than one or as an arbitrator hmm. and or as an arbitrator. Uh, as, as an arbitrator, I must say the one I mentioned before about the skate gate was the, was really the <laughs> the funniest one and then the most interesting one. Um, well, as 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 an attorney, I must say perhaps outside of sport, I, I, I my um, really my highlights were when I represented the, the Italian government at the International Court of Justice in The Hague. I was one of the junior lawyers at the time, so I was not on the forefront, but but it was really something, something on experience. That was really a, one highlight of my, of my career as, as an attorney. 
and uh, representing your own country, you know, it's something which That's special, uh, makes yeah, you proud. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, against the uh, United States, by the way, it was. And, and, and we won. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, Blady, congratulations. Um, and so, given your sort of rich experience in the sector, what are the sort of topics that kind of interest you at the moment? Because, you know, obviously you were an antitrust sort of specialist, you know, kind of almost before your time, really, in the sense of now, with all the stuff that's been going on in sports or over the last... Uh, obviously, as you were saying, in the States, there was a lot of antitrust, you know, you know, cases for, for, for a number of years. But in Europe, it's really sort of kicked off um, in a big way. Um, what are the topics that you now follow out, just out, even if it's just out of personal interest? What are the sort of legal matters that you find very interesting right now? Well, what I find very interesting, I'm not involved in that, so I can speak about it. I find very interesting all this issue about uh, transgender uh, athletes and, and, and because... It's really there. There are some 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 um, some issues, fundamental issues of of of, of social life on one hand, and of of of, of uh, sports on the other hand. So I, I I think your your prime minister John just came out today. Yeah, just came out yeah, today. Made a statement. But, yeah. but I've been following. Obviously. You know, um, starting from the Semenya case, Castel Semenya case, of course, where there was a. A fine Casa War written by Annabel Bennett, who is uh, 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 an excellent uh, Australian uh, former judge. And, yeah, and federal lawyer. judge. She's been on one of our. She was on the um, yeah, she's the, the the hot tubbing she, panel. She, she's she's so bright. Team. She's so good and so bright. Yeah. And and awesome. and she she wrote a, a, a wonderful award. Then you might not agree with with the result, mm. the outcome, but I think it's extremely well written award. Agreed, well recent. Yeah. And and uh, I think that's that's an issue, a very important issue, uh, as you know, in the United States, uh, they have that that kind of issue right now with uh, with a swimmer. I think it's a big. I think you're right. Yeah. I was speaking to a gentleman here who's a barrister called uh, Tom Cross, and he was he's got some experience with dealing with this on on the on the sort of public law side, and he was saying, you know, really. He said that the reason why it's such a hot topic in sport is is because of the finality of sport that. You know, where in society the level playing can, field at the end of the yeah, day, yeah, yeah, and these things can kind of be sort of dealt with, let's say, in a wide variety of different ways, in a in a public space, in public spaces, or in a business or in an organisation. But on the field of play, you need to have the certainty there, and that certainty means that some real. Uh, difficult issues need to be addressed and and, and challenged. So I agree with you. Yeah, it's, great. It's, yeah, so, it's really such a difficult issue. It's so, so difficult. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I and I, myself, I, I'm I'm you know I'm a fight inside because on the one hand I strongly believe you know in in in, in equality of rights and and non non discrimination from any point of view for for any kind of sexual inclination or any kind of so I, I strongly believe in that. And and it's important to to, to recognize, acknowledge uh, all the possible rights uh, to 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 people, whatever their choices are. In that, but on the other hand, there is sport with its rules, and and uh, so I really myself I I, uh, I don't know. What, no, what, agreed. Uh, well, uh, we've uh, had uh, we've had some great people on the podcast over the years talking on this issue, like Kristen Morley and. Um, a number of other experts and in this area and the the tr the challenges as well is always when you're relying on um research scientific data um you know 
a whole lobby groups on either side and so it, you know i think i think it's very healthy to come with a sort of open mind and um inquisitive mind to just ask as many questions as possible because it's so difficult i have um, questions but not answers i must i must, yeah, I must admit yeah. on this on yeah. this issue yeah me yeah me, me me too i think it's one of those ones that should be as you say when as soon as you're sort of involving the you know, people's rights um on all sides you know everyone should be you know, i think it's healthier let's say to be respectful and to be um you know inquisitive and try and find out more um definitely i think it's going to be something that's going to be we're going to be sport people working in the sector are going to have to really get their heads around i think uh pretty quickly is are there any other areas that, that sort of interest you so you've got the transgender issue and then um well i think as, as you as you mentioned co competition law uh, antitrust issues are, are, are very important because you know sport has this this big inherent problem that y you have monopolies and 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 in 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 economy in general in the uk in italy we used to have monopolies in, in telecommunications in, in many other sectors you know in the in the 60s in the, in the 70s yeah same then, in england in exactly the yeah. gradually you know monopolies essentially disappeared in favor of competition uh, in sport we still have monopolies and maybe it's the right way but uh, that creates as i said inherently an issue of antitrust law so um, i think you know, regulators of the sector, you know, the, the, the federations should always be careful because, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Adam Lewis QC, who you probably know, um, he did a, we did a, him and Jonathan Taylor QC did a, uh, their book with like a, you know, I, 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 a, I, know, yeah. both, I know both yeah, of them. Yeah. Well, and yeah. um, it was interesting because um, in the interview we did around their book, book launch, and obviously they've got a lot of other people who contribute to that book. So, you know, credit to all the authors who, who did that. It's a great book. I have that book um, in, my, in, my own, in my own <laughs> in library, many, I must say. One of the many books <laughs> that you've got there. Yeah. Um, as you can tell, we're... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am at home, by the way. They, they, you know, they, they, but that's, that's why you, you're, you're where you are, and I am where I am, right? That's why I'm asking the questions. No, come on. The come no, on. but the... Um, yeah. um, the thing that I thought was was interesting that Adam said was that, from his perspective, as sport becomes um, more mature and increasing in its economic value, regulators should embrace the fact that they're going to receive more challenges, particularly on antitrust matters. Um, and is that did you hold the same sort of view that you know you should brace if you're a regulator in sport you should be um, I wouldn't necessarily say open, but you should expect at least the challenges to come forward and be prepared to to to, to deal yeah. with them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, unfortunately, not all uh, federations realize that. I must say, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not a lot. Well, I think you know the one thing. And again, it's great to get your perspective on this. One of the things I always talk about in the sector is that many of these sports organizations have got great people in there as in like you know people who want to do well and they want to try and grow their sports in different ways and we not, may not always agree in the way that they do it but many of them don't still don't don't appear to outside of the to say the top eight um sort of sports and outside the top five countries let's say particularly in football seem to have um a good grasp of sort of legal issues and uh, um, just more broadly in the sense of they're, they're almost, I would liken them to like tech startups in that they're just, 
you know, trying to get their, you know, get their audience up, get their participation up. Is that how you um, see it? Because you, you know, obviously you're across the world in what you do. Is that is that your sort of assessment of where we are in sport at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's uh, it's a situation where it's it's still an evolving situation, in my opinion, and and. Uh, uh, we, we'll see. We'll see. Certainly, uh, there will be challenges. <laughs> let, 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 I, I'm also involved in one, in, in one of those cases, those prominent cases uh, about competition law. So I'm, I won't say more than that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You need to be careful. I, I, I realized as I, as I was prodding that I should probably uh, sort of back away from that. So, um, in terms of, if you were to give. <sighs> What pearls of wisdom, whether it's around law or around sports law, you've already given one, which was understand the actual sector, you know, get to know what's going on in the dressing rooms, get to know the regulatory frameworks. What other advice would you give to people who are either aspiring to get into this sector or for those many people who have maybe done a little bit of sports work but would love to do much more for, for sports organisations? Or, or or athletes. Well, I would say I would say first of all, um, I think to do well in sports law, you need to know the law outside of sport, which is which is you know strange to say, but you you need to know sport as I say, but also you need to know the law uh, in other sectors. When I do interviews for my firm, um, I always ask the experience they had outside of sport as as lawyers. Because that's that's what it was very interesting. Uh, because then you can you can carry on that you know that that knowledge into into sport and 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 have something more to to. If you only worked from the beginning in sports law, I'm 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 concerned that then you don't understand because sports is so much connected with all the other sectors, and the law is the same. So it's mm. not it's something. Do you think I'm trying to think of a good sporting analogy? Is it is it the equivalent of you know say we we take our, one of our sports you know our shared sort of interest passion and passions are basketball that is kind of as we were saying right if you don't have your base level of fitness no matter how good you can can bounce the ball or shoot exactly. you, you're exactly. not going to get the opportunities right? exactly it's, it's exactly the same exactly the same the same the same kind of because it's so, so interesting you say this because when when we obviously we deal with thousands of lawyers around the world. And I'm always really interested, and I think it's, I'm not sure if you if you feel the same. I often feel that there's not enough focus on the non-traditional sort of commentary on sports legal issues, as there is on sort of what's going on in the broader world. And so, say for example, with the Russia situation at the moment, you know, international sanctions, uh, that type of stuff. Like that's really interesting and has been for some time, but not many people have focused on this, focused on it until now, as always is the case. Is that is that is that how you um, do you see that there's a lot of opportunity there for people who are, let's say, not not let's say they haven't necessarily served the, or, or lawyers like them with interest in maybe I guess one of them being a big one now be data protection previously haven't necessarily done as much sports work that they've got a real opportunity to sort of bring their expertise across into sport. Absolutely, yes, that's that's the point. A sport is connected with all the other sectors really, and and so you can bring your own expertise into into sports and be and be useful and find clients for that. 
So it's, uh, as, as I mentioned, I believe to you before we started, um, I, or, or I don't remember if I mentioned that during this. I started with sports law because I was involved in, uh, in European uh, Union law and, and competition law. So I put bring that expertise with me. And, and then I started, of course, learning about all the other issues of sports. But you were, you were kind of like a Benoit Keane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that, that, you're an earlier version of Benoit. Like in yeah, because yeah, I, I think it's fa fascinating to, to hear because, I, you know, when, when you scratch below the surface to, to, you know, a lot of people that, you know, are very respected individuals in the sector like yourself and the Michael Belloffs of the world and others, um, you know, the Adam Lewis's, the John Taylor, you know, is this, is this um, as you're saying, the f getting the foundations right? They're not, there's very few that's a sort of, you know, uh, one they do with Crespo Perez, like, like, you know, they don't just find their way, you know, they've, they've, stu they've, <laughs> you know, they've become good lawyers first and then worked out how they can apply it as opposed to, although I guess the environment has changed somewhat because you can end up in an in-house position. What, what can I ask? What, you know, as I keep like laboring this point, but you you appear so incredibly humble and relaxed every time. I, obviously, we have it's not like we spend an immense amount of time together. What keeps you so? Um, I guess, in, and it, it's just because of the observation we we see. I see a lot of people who attend our conferences, and I observe the audience when they're listening and and so forth. And I and I can totally see situations and get feedback on this sometimes where people are very experienced and they find the conversation interesting, but you know maybe they're such an expert that they didn't necessarily get as much value from a particular conversation it struck me at the time that you were so engaged in it and likewise when we did the report with murray rosen qc and, and the collective on the alternate you, you know you constantly seem to be very inquisitive what drives you to constantly it appears to me anyway to want to learn and, well, and because you, you 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 can learn from everybody and and there is always something to learn so that's my my spirit always that there is always something to learn uh, something to study um so you know that's that must be the approach you must be passionate first of all uh not thinking about the money or you know the passion is the first thing in my opinion and then uh and then Learning and learning, and you can always learn. You can always that it's very important. You know, not a matter of being humble; it's a matter of being of being, you know, realistic. And and you can you know, you know, you cannot think you know anything, everything. It's just you you you, you need to study and 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 you know. I don't remember if Albert Einstein or Thomas Edison. I remember who said, you know, it's remember it's one percent inspiration, ninety. 9% perspiration. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I always say that to, to, to you know to the people in my in my firm and and uh, also to my students when, when at the university because you know uh, apart from that I keep teaching so I, I have, Yeah, uh, I've seen on your uh, sorry I was meant yeah, to mention that right now uh, yeah yeah exactly so it's uh, uh, right now I'm teaching my international law course which is um, I teach that and then European competition law, European competition in the first semester and, and the international law in the second semester. So um, right now, as you know, we are speaking about, um, you know, crimes against humanity and things like that, unfortunately. Uh, and, and it's very hard to teach international law at this juncture because you, yeah, you really, really doubt whether international law exists. And, and 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 so, but this is nothing to do with sport, or maybe it has a lot to do. Well, it is. Maybe it has a lot to do with sport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and so, but you 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 gotta learn always from 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 anybody, and and that's important. But this is the thing that I've, I find so fascinating. It's something that I I remember 
I always remember a moment in time where I, when I remember that you know people like yourself who are who I say like the world class operators that I have the privilege of um, my colleagues and I have the privilege of dealing with around the world. I remember you know saying in, asking whether it's someone like you or Lord Dyson or Anthony Hooper or go down the list, Michael Veloff. Um, QC, uh, who may call by the way, who may call, who may call maestro, you know, always <laughs> when, when I see Michael, I always say maestro, <laughs> like Arenas, yeah. Arena Sands, you know, Arena Sands painter, you know, really, I, I, I love you. He is, and, and the thing I found really interesting that when you know, c coming into the sector or coming into law, even you felt like you need to have all the answers and you need to be appear to be bright and and you know sharp and you're trying to be almost too clever almost a bit like in sport trying too hard right right and then when i asked people like yourselves and others what i i think are very pertinent questions maybe not today but other times and the thing that the one thing i've always found very surprising is some of these people like yourselves always come back to me and say well i don't have enough information i need to know more about this area or and it's just that a level of awareness that you're talking about it seems that um, seems to be a, a, a characteristic that seems to be shared amongst most people who seem to have very, very successful careers. It's something I've always found that was quite, um, gave me a lot to reflect on, let's put it that way, as someone who is, like, let's say, more ignorant than I'd like to admit, <laughs> who thought I had all the answers. Um, but um, I just want to say, Massimo, a real honor and privilege to to have you on the podcast as i said you like you know i know a lot of people in the sector so and they all say very kind things about you um and from my own personal experience you've been a joy to work with on on various projects when we've had time to do it and yeah you've always and you've always given up your time freely and willingly to help and support and i something i really appreciate no, so um if i may, if I, if I may sean i appreciate very much law in sport is i think it's uh, you do a wonderful job and you know the the uh, you, you are really doing very well for for I think it's the the best really the best. Uh, thank you. Uh, that means a lot. I don't know how to so call it you. because it's much more than a than a website. It's it's, it's you know it's uh, I don't know how you how do you define how do you define low sport. Yeah, so we say kind of like now we're uh, basically we're a knowledge hub and global community, right? Exactly. Kind of kind of what we do, right? And, and, we, we, you know, you do a is, great job. You do a great job. Yeah. yeah yeah, the one thing that I always say there again, it's because of people like you and the people that I've mentioned earlier, that that not the myths, let's say, the people that I get the people that you know, not not what you know you've seen in publications. And recently, you know, we've got our moot competition and like uh, people giving up their time freely all the time, right? And it seems it's one of the things that's always struck me. There's so many great people who are willing to share the information in the sector who knew want to do that, that if we were to able to, which is what we try to do, harness that and give people insights into it, it naturally would help people, right, in the sector. And, uh, um, you know, so if it wasn't for people like you, I wouldn't be where I am. And Lawrence Ball, <laughs> well, generally, well, I said this all the time, right? Because I do think nowadays... There's and then we see it all the time with young and enthusiastic people coming through. Sometimes they don't really. As a, I've always been very um, conscious of this, that we should tip our hats to the people who, you know, give us the opportunities. Right, the people who did the hard work, right, to create. Um, you know, that whether it's the legal frameworks, the regulatory frameworks, the cast cases, the you know, etc. Right, we didn't just suddenly. You know, it didn't just magically happen overnight. Right, there was you know a long history of like. I always remember. I think it was Brendan Schwab who first got me onto Marvin Miller. Um, or it might have been Brendan Schwab or, or Brendan Danshack and stuff in the US. And, you know, you look back and you're like, wow, there's been a lot of thing going. And actually, uh, that'd be interesting actually to get your view on that. 
Do you think at times with the pace of information that's coming out that sometimes now in law and particularly in sports law, we're not learning from some of the lessons of the past because it feels to me, at least from a law and sport perspective at times, the pace of information that's coming out of all the, you know, FIFA doing a great job on all their reports and stuff, but the weight's coming that we're not um, kind of looking back and going, well, hold on, we dealt with this issue uh, like 20 years ago. Um, maybe we should look at that again rather than commission a new report. Do you, is that, do you, do you get that sense? Uh, yeah, well, so, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, uh, you know, you sometimes people forget about issues that have been already addressed and the way they were addressed in the past. But, but I think that, you know, the, the, the amount of information right now uh, is so much more than, you know, when I started uh, in sports law, the, you know, there wasn't internet yet. So, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can you can you imagine at the end of the 80s getting your, your information about things, you know, uh, documents? It's just just a nightmare so it's my <laughs> you remind me of a friend of mine who uh, became a very uh, successful film financing uh ip uh lawyer and he said you know i started doing this when there was no ip law right like he said you're literally going through textbooks trying to wonder what the hell you're meant to be doing and it sounds like <laughs> but there's a lot to be said for that as a learning experience i think um you know it's, it's i think they say it's character building yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yes. I remember. You know, I always tell this. Uh, I remember when when I was uh, was in, in, in uh, went back to Michigan to study for a period to Michigan Law School in 1986, and there were already uh, the possibility that to uh, write uh, on some computer your text instead of a, a typewriter. You know, and, and and but you had to print something. You had to go across the street. <laughs> to, to the to the whatever it was called the informatic center whatever it was called to 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 get the print out and the problem was that in michigan in winter it was like minus 10 fahrenheit or something <laughs> like minus, so getting just across the street was was to get your print out but it was already a privilege of not having to typewrite you you had something yeah, but it was not a pc it was the terminal of, of the big computer of the university you know well, I, I, just, yeah, I remember <laughs> times like, now, are changing so much it's crazy how quickly things are changing because yeah. even just the dictation on the phones is just incredible like they you know, used to have to have really expensive software to do that type of stuff and now it comes part of the operating system it's incredible um anyway massimo you you know as i said you're a gentleman a really privilege it's been a delight to have you on the the podcast um look forward to hopefully seeing you in person at some point soon which would be awesome. Um, we are looking to do something in, in Italy at some point So as things open up. So it's been one of our things, and obviously there's great people like Michele Colucci who we work closely with. Yeah, absolutely, others, absolutely. Who, who, Good um, friend of mine, yeah. Yeah, so he's, he's a fantastic individual as absolutely. well. Um, um, so we're looking to do something. At some point, we'll hopefully do something in, in Italy, which yeah, will be I'm, just... I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm ready a, and available. <laughs> Yes, fantastic. <laughs> you heard it here first. Brilliant. Well, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And for everyone tuning in, the same for I you. Hope you uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Of course, if you're you know, interested in you, you like um, if you enjoyed what Massimo said and you want to get in contact, please reach out to him. And obviously, we always say to people, if you like the show, please do tell people about it. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you.